on today's Locked On Texan podcast. Big Sarge is joining the show, and we've talked about the worst decisions. Now, let's talk about the best decisions. Sunday, don't matter. Let's start the day off right. Hallelujah. Let's get it started. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman, joined by Cody Davis, doing something we've never done before. Uh, <laughs> a Sunday Locked On Texan Podcast, and we've talked about the worst decision, uh, decisions that this franchise has made in their history. Now let's talk about the best decision that the franchise has made in their history cody may disagree with me but i gotta go directly to the 2011 nfl mm. draft where jj watt was selected to be a houston texan and i'll tell you why that's very important number one undoubtedly the greatest player to ever wear red white and blue and represent the bulls on parade um also at the time i think that when you look at jj Watt getting drafted he wasn't a huge household name that maybe some other people in the city may have wanted. You got to remember, because I remember this vividly, when J.J. Watt got drafted, the Bulls filled the arena. Hmm. And if it didn't fill the arena, it filled the bars. It filled the homes where people hosted draft parties. Nobody pretty much knew a lot about J.J. Watt, and there were other guys on the board that people knew more about. Uh, two slots later, Detroit selected Nick Fairley out of Auburn. And remember, that year was a monster year. He was a household name for Auburn, was a huge player. And by the way, his teammate, Cam Newton, with number one overall in that draft. Von Miller went second in that draft. Marcel Darius, AJ, this was a star-studded, loaded draft. Julio Jones was also in that draft. Uh, Tyron Smith was in that draft. But back to the Texans, they – Passed upon a lot of these household names. Uh, Prince Amukamara was a household name at the time. They passed on him. Adrian Claiborne, I think, may have had uh, a lot of buzz, if, if not as much as J.J. Watt, maybe a little bit more. Uh, Jimmy Smith, Mark Ingram, Cameron Jordan. So for Houston, I think they passed on some guys. Mike, Pipe, Mike Ponce was also in this draft. Good God. <laughs> Nate Solder was in this draft. But for Houston, they drafted a player that wasn't well known as maybe some of the other guys, but got the better player uh, at that pick that they could have drafted. And when you look at that top 11, Cam has an MVP. Von Miller is a two-time Super Bowl winning player. And also, I think he has a DMVP as well. But J.J. Watt, in terms of uh, accolades that he did, Three defensive player a year to award, a year to awards, and how he dominated the game for so long in this jersey for Houston has to be the number one pick for best decision ever in franchise history. Yeah, and I agree with that statement. Um, I also want to throw in um, the by drafting 
Andre Johnson as well because he is actually the first Houston Texans that really put this organization on the map in terms of establishing them in the NFL. But, John, I want to take it a little bit deeper, and there's two decisions that I really want to focus on. One, yes, I understand this man's career in the city of Houston did not go as planned given the events that has happened over the last, what, 12 or 14 months, but making the call to the Cleveland Browns and traded up to select Deshaun Watson. And that's very important because the other day we just talked about how for the longest it seemed like the only thing that was hampering this organization was the fact that they never had a true legitimate quarterback. And back in 2017, what was it? They traded, what was it, the 24th, 25th pick and uh, 2018 first-round pick to Cleveland to get that number 12 selection and go out there and draft Deshaun Watson, who was, if not the best, the second-best quarterback coming out of the draft that year. And look... We all know how his career ended in the city of Houston. I mean, his his legacy in Houston is forever tainted, both, both on and definitely off the field here in the city of Houston. But the four years that he gave to this organization from his rookie debut, but when he came in as a backup to, who, who was it? Tom Savage, am I correct? <laughs> Tom Savage as a backup. We Tom knew Savage. we knew that young man was going to be special. Of course, his coming out game a couple weeks later, the game against the Seattle Seahawks, that was a special game. Then, of course, we all know his sophomore junior year in the NFL, you know, this man exploded. And it seemed like for the very first time, well, see, this is what I mean by his legacy is forever tainted. But he exploded on the field in terms of we knew Deshaun Watson was going to be something special. And look, like I mentioned, you take out the last year of his of his time here in the city of Houston, you look at those first three to four years, this man gave this city so much hope and so much promise. And it's because Rick Smith was the only one to have the guts to go out there, make that trade with Cleveland. Ironically, that was with Cleveland and go out there and make a trade to draft Deshaun Watson. But the biggest, most important decision to me is back in 2009, 2010, they signed an undrafted rookie by the name of Arian Foster. I'm so glad who, you brought that up. Who went on to become one of the best running backs of the 2010s. And if not for injuries, we're probably sitting here talking about one of the best running backs of all times. Like John, what was he? A four-time Pro Bowler. He led the NFL in rushing touchdowns like in back-to-back years. He led the league in rushing touchdowns. And he was a prime reason why, what, between 2011 and 2010, when the Houston Texans had a combined 22-10 and 10 record, he was a primary reason. Like, I don't think people understand. And, and, and Foster do, does not get enough credit of how good he was as a member of the Houston Texans. Like... Once again, during that time, during that the, 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 the two, three-year stretch that he had here in Houston, I don't think that there was a running back. Maybe Adrian Peterson, if you want to debate it, but I truly do not believe there was a running back at that time that was better than Arian Foster. And it's still mind-blowing to me that this guy did not get drafted. In a whole seven rounds, this man went three days without getting drafted, got a call for the Houston Texans, and ended up making this organization become one of the most respectable teams in the NFL during the early part of the 2010s. But once again, John, listeners and viewers, (laughs) if only if they had a quarterback, 
<laughs> they probably would have been able to do something special. But in terms of best decisions, of course, trading up for Deshaun Watson, even though in hindsight, looking back on it, that could probably be one of the worst decisions now. But, you know, the fact that they took a chance on Aaron Foster, a guy who, you know, did not really have Hey, he, he did not really have a foundation or anything to stand on entering the draft. And to see what he was able to do when healthy, man, it was it was something amazing to see. Two things. Uh, Adrian Peterson was definitely the better running back. I think Adrian Peterson is the greatest running back of all time. But that's the thing. Longevity. But but there's the thing. Yes, Adrian Peterson. That's why I say if he wasn't the best, he was the second best. But – would you say the gap between him and Adrian Peterson was was big at that time? Absolutely. But that's also how great I think Adrian Peterson was as running back. Come on I'll now, say John. this. I'm glad you said Arian Foster because I think what gets lost in translation and great decisions is signing Vontae Leach as a fullback. Mm. Um, when Vontae Leach was the Texans fullback, there was no hole that went – unblowed up. I don't know how I can explain it, but <laughs> as a lead blocker at that fullback position, he did his job amazing. And we look at Arian Foster and how great of a running back he was. Absolutely. You look at uh, Dwayne Brown, uh, that entire offensive line was great. But for Vontae Leach, um, he was one of those players that may have went unnoticed because his role isn't big. But, guys, the 2009 and 2010 seasons for the Houston Texans where, uh, especially 2010 when Arian Foster was really toting that rock, how he was toting it, Vontae Leach was a huge part of that success. And, again, it's the small things that matter. Vontae Leach was a big man, large man in a small role that made sure he never went unnoticed. If you watched film and understood Yo, no, Arian Foster isn't doing this without Vontae Leach. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, the news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, boxing fights, even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting, to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions happening at Bet Online because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday installment of Locked On Texans. And as you can see, we got our guy, Mr. Brian Belfield, Big Sarge. What's going on, man? How you doing? And welcome back to Locked On Texans. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having <laughs> me, bro. A lot has happened in my life. I got engaged two weeks ago. Congratulations. I found, listen, I found a woman who could finally put up with me. Like, <laughs> look, look, look at God. Yes, I finally found a, a woman. I'm a lot to handle. I don't under, I don't know if people realize that or not, but, you know, Big Sarge is a big personality, and it's a lot to handle. You know, when I'm Big Sarge, and when I'm Brian, like I am a lot to handle. I found a uh, found a woman. I wonder if the government is sending her uh, secret checks <laughs> to deal with me. I'm gonna have to, look, I'm gonna have to go and get my VA representative to find out if they give her extra money to deal with me. How, you know, you, you know, you go by two names, and I want to ask you this really quick because most people that go by two names or have a nickname, like I use, I hear all the time, you know, LeBron, Kobe Bryant, you know, they like 
this is Black Mamba on the court. This is King James on the court, but this is LeBron and Kobe off the court. You know, is it really two different people that you actually have or just Brian and Big Sarge at the end of the day is just the same person? <laughs> I would like to say, I would like to say yes. <laughs> you know what I am going to say? Yes. Yes. Mm. There, there, there's a difference between Big Sarge and Brian. Big Sarge and I'm still, you know, I'm an outgoing person. I, I, I'm outgoing, and I like to have fun, even when I'm, you know, not in 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 big Sarge mode. You know, I'm still, you know, the the charismatic guy, the energy guy, but not as much. And I'm more mm-hmm. reserved. So when I meet people in public, and they'd be like, "Big Sarge, what's going on?" I'd be like, "Hey, how you doing, Brian Barefield? Nice to meet you." <laughs> I, I, let me tell you this quick story before we get started. The other day, I was in Staples um, because we just moved. And so we moved into a bigger place so I could have, uh, we have a study now, and that's where I was able to set up uh, my my home studio. And so I was in there and I was looking at desks and, you know, I was looking at chairs and this guy comes up to me uh, while I'm checking out and he was like, hey, are you Sarge? You do sports? And I was like, yeah, that's me. He's like, oh man, I listen to you all the time on Sports Talk 790. I listen to you all the time with Indy. Man, y'all have some great sports takes. Can I take a picture with you? And then I was just like, yes. I was like, Brian Barefield, nice to meet you. Thank you for listening. Uh, Sure. And then after he took the picture, I was like, now my mind is kicking like, I wonder what he's going to do with that picture. Because, you know, somebody get a picture of you. You know, we took a picture together, but somebody get a picture of you, man. They can put that thing out on the Internet. And next thing you know, I got a secret lover or something. You know I, mean? <laughs> I don't know how these things happen. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, there is a difference between Big Sarge and Brian. I always wanted to ask you that question, man. I'm glad I did. But let's start talking about the Houston Texans. And about a month ago, the Houston Texans pulled off a very impressive draft. We all know how good the 2022 draft looks on paper. Of course, we got to see how these guys play on the field once the season starts. But Sarge, um, when you when you take a look at this draft class, you take a look at the work Nick Casario did. Who will you consider to be the Texans' biggest steal in this year's draft? Now, I know a lot of people are going to want me to say Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback out of LSU. As a steal? He was sitting at number three. (laughs) Yeah, steal, though. I mean, they could have – look, hold on. That's a steal because, you know, if they would have – if they wouldn't have taken him, then they would have took Sauce Gardner, right? Mm -hmm. And then guess what? Guess who takes him next? I'm surprised to be honest with you. So let's let's stop right there because you're talking about still. I'm surprised that the Jets didn't try to jump the Texans to take Derek Stingley Jr. I mm-hmm. see Derek Stingley Jr. working well with uh, Salah. That's his name, right? Head coach mm-hmm. of the Jets, mm-hmm. the defensive guru who came from the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. In all honesty, I think that Derek Stingley Jr. fits better in his system than he does in the Texans system right now. Mm. That's just me. So people still say, hey, man, they, they would like to say that. But I'm, I'm going to say the biggest deal of the of the draft for the Houston Texans was Jalen Peters, safety out of Baylor, mm. number 37 overall pick in the second round. And I, I like him because, well, one, Rick, at the rookie minicamp, Lovey called him a sponge. Lovey says that he's a sponge. He's picking up quickly. And during OTAs on last week, he said that he needs to – you know, of course, he needs the reps. And so this is going to be good for him. The offseason is going to be good for him. 
getting them in to the facility, being able to see different types of things, putting them around veterans is going to help them out a lot. But I'm going to tell you like this at six foot, 197 pounds. He's fearless. He's fearless and he's smart. He's, he's smart watching him. Uh, and just even during the drills, just watching him, he's, he, he picks up so well that he, mimics and he looks and he sees what's going on and next thing you know he emulates and puts it out on the field and because i was watching i said here's the drill that they're going through and the veterans are just wow 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 going through it right the next thing i know i said wait a minute was that petrie that just went through that drill a rookie who's picked that drill up already and going through it now and i know some people are going to say it's too early it's way too early i mean hey listen i listened to the 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 podcast where you know the uh people comments killing you. You talking about pumping the brakes? <laughs> people killing you. So you know I guess I'm going to join you. They're going to be killing me in the comments as well. But Jalen Petrie, I'm going to tell you who he reminds me of. He reminds me a lot of Justin Reed. Mm. Justin Reed was smart. Justin Reed was fearless. And the knock that a lot of people like to say on him is that oh well he he gets beat or you know he didn't make the tackles that he needed to make well anytime you got your safety that if your safety is making a lot of tackles then that means that your front seven is no good hmm. if your tackle if your safety has to make a bunch of tackles if your safety is in the box a lot that means that your front seven is is horrible and I don't want to call the Texans front seven horrible but they weren't good and so I feel like if Jalen Petrie, I feel like Jalen Petrie can have an outstanding rookie season if that front seven does what it needs to do. If they can apply more pressure on the quarterback. And he also has, you know, an All-American in Derek Stingley Jr. on one side. And so if Derek Stingley can do his job, then Jalen Petrie will be able to do his job. But with that front seven, if they can get that pressure, if they can make that quarterback make better, I mean, make quick decisions. He'll have a really good season. Mm. We started off talking about Derek Stingley. You say you, you know, kind of consider him a steal. But when you take a look at Stingley, third pick overall, you're talking about a guy who has a lot of potential. When you look at what he was able to do at LSU, you know, from arguably one of the best freshman classes for the, I mean, one of the best freshman years. From a defensive bat in 2019, we all know 2020, 2021, he was hampered by injuries. Of course, that was also the COVID-shortened season. And um, last year, dealing with the foot injury, we all heard Lovey Smith say that Stingley is not there yet. He is still trying to work his way back. Um, Sarge, when you take a look at what Stingley could possibly be, what do you believe can actually be his ceiling in the NFL? His ceiling. Think that Derek Stingley Jr. could probably be a Jalen Ramsey type cornerback. So you're talking about best in the league, or arguably best in the league. That young man has a special skill set that a lot of people don't have. A lot look that a lot of people cannot even work to become. Hmm. That that young man is is amazing, man. And when I say the amazing, and I'm not just saying that I, I don't throw that word around like the end. I am a huge Jalen Ramsey fan because I recognize what Jalen Ramsey does. Jalen Ramsey changes the trajectory of the field. He's on one side of the field, and he's literally a shutdown corner wherever he is. I believe that Derek Stingley Jr., can, he has those intangibles to be the exact same thing. We've seen that during the national championship run that he made with mm. LSU. And when you're going up against the, the, the competition that he was going up against in practice – 
wide receivers from his own team. Like now you come into the NFL, all he has to do is he has to get adapted to the to the game speed. He has to get adapted to the speed of the NFL because a lot of a lot of rookies will tell you that well, a lot of excuse me, a lot of veterans will tell you in their rookie season the, the biggest thing wasn't going up against bigger guys, wasn't going up against stronger guys. It was the game speed. That game speed from college to the pros changes a lot. And so once I feel like once Derek Stingley can pick up on that, once he can pick up on the game speed of the NFL, I honestly and truly believe that he could be a shutdown corner like Jalen Ramsey. Mm. And he's smart, oh. he's smart like a Richard Sherman. The, the, so the thing is this one of the reasons why I, I, I love Richard Sherman because you know Rich, Richard Sherman used to be a wide receiver mm-hmm. and got converted into a cornerback. Uh not Stephon. I was about to call him Trayvon Diggs, <laughs> cornerback for the I was about to call him Stephon. Trayvon Diggs, cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. When he was at Alabama, he started out as a wide receiver and converted over to cornerback. So now that means that when I say Richard Sherman, I talk about Diggs, those guys having played that position, they know the routes. They know mm-hmm. the routes. They, they can pick up on them real quick. Now, Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley Jr. did not play wide receiver. But I used the, those two guys in um, Sherman and Diggs to say that with the amount of competition that he went up against when he was in college at practice, he's it, those now – those things are so easy, uh, easily recognizable because he went up against two of the best guys at their position in the at college and now in the pros. And um, I don't know, wow, why does that one place for the Minnesota Vikings, one place for the Cincinnati Bengals, the wide receivers, Jamar Chase and Justin, uh, Jefferson. Justin Jefferson? Yes, just give me time, man. I'm old. I'm, <laughs> so, and the, so, like I said. Going up against those guys, watching them, competing against them. Now he's able to pick up on little nuances and intricacies of a wide receiver and be able to jump the route to be able to, you know, hold the guys one on one. During the draft, you and I sat next to each other inside NRG Stadium covering it. You know, every single day we had an opportunity to talk to Nick Casario. Um, and in between time, I can't remember which day it was. It was me and you, and I think Cole from um, Sports Illustrated, a colleague of mine, I think we was going down the list to see, you know, see if we could find a great draft class that the Texans ever had. And I think we only narrowed it down to like two, maybe three classes. 2008, the class that had Owen Daniels. 2011, the class that had J.J. Watt. And 2017, <laughs> but yes, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just unfortunate that you know none of those guys are still here. Amen. But the promise was still there in 2017. Did leave a mark in his organization for the short two three years that they was able to play together. Say his name. <laughs> However, went number twelve. <laughs> Say his name. Oh, he, go, he go by four. He go by four. He go by four. But you know. When you take a look at what Casario put together this year, a lot of promise. And, yes, once again, I understand it's early. We only had an opportunity to see, what, a handful of these guys this past week doing OTAs and a couple weeks ago doing rookie training camp. But there's a lot of promise with the class of 2022. You look at the class of 2021, 
you know, there's some promise there. You know, if these guys continue to develop like a Davis Mills, a Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, Roy Lopez, um, Garrett Waddle, I believe I'm missing some. Oh, Brevin Jordan. Given the hand that he was dealt, he was still able to find five guys that if they have another great season, they could definitely establish themselves as a foundational piece for the Houston Texans. So since Nick Casario got here, you know, you take a look at what he was able to do in 2021. You take a look at what he was able to do in 2022. Regardless of coaching hires, regardless of trades, regardless of signings, when you take a look at what he was able to pull out of, of these back-to-back drafts, and you're talking about an organization, I mean, it seems like good drafts are falling in between in history, but how would you grade Nick Casario as a scout personnel and as someone who could actually go out there and draft well? Because, Sarge, I'm looking at this draft 2021, 2022, and my only knock against him was I just hate the fact that you left the 2022 draft without getting a DN. And you just finished talking about that, you know, the defensive line. It wasn't bad. But it wasn't good or great either. Yeah. So if I have to give Nick Casario overall grade just by just, just by looking on paper for this 2022 draft and one year of evaluation of last year, I'll give him a B. Mm, okay, give, you know good. what? I'll, 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 yes, I'll give him a B. And if Davis Mills performs, if Davis Mills has back to back years and I'm not I'm I'm not talking about last year. Last year was a wash. I don't I don't evaluate a rookie quarterback, a rookie starting quarterback until after their third year in the league. Mm. So, he got playing time, he got playing time last year, got a bunch of reps at, towards the end of the season. The job is his to lose this year. If he completes the 17 games to start after next year because it next year's draft is going to be the the, the tell all. It, if he has a good year, if he has a good year this year, then the Texans will go out and get that defensive end next season mm-hmm. because they don't have to use a draft pick on taking a quarterback. So I can't give him an A just yet because I don't know what Davis Mills is going to become. But at, so far right now, looking on paper and after the one-year evaluation, I have to give Nick Casario a, a, a B. And you remember I asked him this, asked him this question uh, during his press conference on if his years of experience as a scout, mm-hmm. you know, his year, year, uh, years of experience as a, a player evaluator uh, over player personnel with the New England Patriots, his 20-plus years of experience there, how much that helped. And he tried to downplay it, but, you know, he, he ultimately came back and said, yes, it did. <laughs> it did help. And I, I will say this, that, you know, he, he made some, you know, there were some people that he went out and he signed last year that I didn't pan out. So <laughs> that's why I say we're gonna keep it as the draft. <laughs> yeah, and look, that's, so that's what I was about to say. So maybe he's not a good at he maybe he's not good at evaluating free agents, but we definitely know he's good at evaluating young talent so far. So I'll give him a B. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need on top of that Cody you know what else is is, is going crazy right now inflation so if you can get it cheaper you better do it and you don't have to go through that in pointless conversation seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter 
orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You don't have to do that. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts a chain store has or a car dealership? Well, you can go ahead and save that money. Shop with rockauto.com. Use that for that gas because that's skyrocketed too as well. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto is a family business. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right Locked On Texans in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Sunday installment of Locked On Texans. Big Sarge sitting right across from me. Sarge, we didn't have an opportunity to do this earlier a couple weeks ago, but we're going to do it now. The 2022 schedule is officially out. And I'm looking at this, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know, there are a lot of, a handful of toss-up games that the Texans can actually win. Um... I'm going to save my thoughts, which you probably already know the record I gave them if they win all of these toss-up games. But Sarge, how do you feel about the Houston Texans schedule as of right now? I I understand you broke it up into three different phases, which is a good thing. So let's start with the first eight games. So with the first eight games, which consists of the Colts, Broncos, Bears, Chargers, Jaguars, they have a bye week, the Raiders, and the Titans. Mm-hmm. In that in that first phase, I have them going two and five. I don't see them beating mm-hmm. the Colts or the Broncos the first two games. I do believe that they could beat the Bears. All they have to do is contain Justin Fields. So that should be a win. They're going to lose against the Chargers. The Chargers fully healthy. Side note, I don't know why people keep going back to last year. Because the there wasn't year. much to cheer about last year. They beat the Chargers last year. I was like, dude, the, the Chargers probably scooped down, got a couple of players from USC and UCLA just to fill out a roster. Like, they weren't healthy. They didn't come with their full complement of players. And if we're keeping it 100, the Chargers had a really good offseason as far as picking up. Oh, yeah. Agents. Oh, yeah. So they're going to come in and they're going to come in with a lot with, with revenge on their mind. And so I don't see them being the, beating the Chargers. I do see them, seeing them beating the Jaguars in week five, which will bring them to two and three. They have a bye week. The Raiders, I think that's going to be a loss because nobody's going to be able to contain Devontae Adams. Look, I love Derek Stingley Jr. like we talked about. I mm. love Derek Stingley Jr., but Devontae Adams is a whole different animal. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to contain him or not. So I have it in, in week seven, I have them losing to the Raiders. And then in week eight, losing to the Titans. The, the Titans just, I feel like the Titans are, are the ones, the AFC South favorites this year. So in that first phase, I have them going two and five. Mm. That's an interesting take that you had on Tennessee because, well, Tennessee and Indianapolis because I do believe at least the first two games, well, the first game against Indianapolis and the first game against Tennessee, I'm putting that in the rim of a toss-up only because in terms of Indianapolis, I'm not too sure what Matt Ryan has left. I mean, yes, he did have a good, a decent season last year, but I'm, I'm looking at Indianapolis and I'm like, you guys are still looking for the next Andrew Luck. 
And that is why y'all went through this continuous quarterback cycle ever since he retired. And Matt Ryan is not going to be the answer for them. At least I believe. And in terms of Tennessee, I think Ryan, I think it depends on if Ryan Tannehill feels threatened or not by Malik Willis. Um, you know, and I could and I could literally see that see Tennessee going having a really a really good year like they did last year or, or having a bad year because you also got to consider consider the fact that they traded AJ Brown as well. well and I, I, oh, I look at it, you know, when we talk about the Colts, I'm not, of course I'm not a, a big believer in the old Matt Ryan. If they've got yeah. if they got you know Matt Ryan maybe you know in in his middle of his NFL career, then Man, yeah. that would have been scary. That, yes, but you know this old Matt Ryan. No, I'm I'm not afraid of him. What I what what I'm afraid for the Texans is the Colts have the NFL leading rusher. But what do they do they because there's a guy in Tennessee if he never got broke his foot he probably would have broke the record for most rushing yards in the season. Yeah, yeah but the best ability is availability and he wasn't well, available is true. for a large part of the season last year and <laughs> you know the running back for the Indianapolis Colts is the one who won the uh, NFL rushing title. One thing that the the one thing that the Texans had a huge problem with last season is uh, stopping the run. So mm. if if they're gonna if if they're gonna be able to get him going early, if the Colts can get their running back going early, then you look at it as what are the Texans? Are they built for the run now? Are they built to stop the run? That that's going to be the biggest question. So when you have a running game like the Indianapolis Colts, you don't have to depend on Matt Ryan's arm so much because I don't believe in, I don't believe in, in the Colts uh, wide receivers. I, I, I just don't. I feel like the Colts wide receivers may be just one step above who the bears have a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying a lot. I can't name you one Chicago bears wide receiver. So, hmm. but they have a, the, the Indianapolis Colts have a very strong running game. So that's, why I say I'm not too. Uh, that's why the 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 AFC South is the Tennessee Titans to lose. So, like I said, I have them going winning two games in that first phase, going two and five. In that second phase, they play <laughs> the Eagles, the Giants, the Commanders, the Dolphins, the Browns, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. Here's where it gets interesting. In that second half, I have them going three and four. I have them. Going, I can see that. I have them going on a three-game winning streak. I have them losing to the Eagles in Week Nine. I have them beating the Giants in Week Ten. I have them beating the Commanders, the Washington Commanders, in Week Eleven, and I have them beating the Miami Dolphins in Week uh, Week Twelve. Here's the sad part about it, though, Cody. The sad part about it is. If they have a three-game winning streak going into week 13 against the Cleveland Browns, I'm probably going to have to deactivate all my social media. Oh, my gosh. Because Texans Twitter is going to go crazy, and they're going to say, we got a chance to make the playoffs. We're going to the Super Bowl, and we don't need uh, the quarterback who, who shall be starting in week 13. For the Cleveland Browns and for the inside NRG Stadium, right? Coming home, coming home, coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. Yes, Cody doesn't want to say his name. I'll say his name. By week 13, Deshaun Watson 
former quarterback for the Houston Texans will be coming into NRG Stadium and they're going to beat the Houston <laughs> Texans. Hey, did you see that David and Juku just signed a four-year contract with the with the Cleveland Browns? Mm-hmm. Well, re-signed with the Cleveland Browns. So so I put it like this. I'm going to be honest with you, and this is probably going to look. Hey, I'm here. Right, listen, let me tell you all something on YouTube. Sarge is built for the smoke. I am built for the smoke. I'm the lighter. Sometimes I'll start a fire just to watch the smoke. So I will say this. The Cleveland Browns could beat the Houston Texans with Jacoby Brissett. That's how talented they are on both sides of the ball. Well, I, I, I would say... I will refute that because they played against Jacoby Brissett last year in Miami, and that game was so terrible. But Miami ain't Cleveland. Yeah, Miami ain't Cleveland. Cleveland has weapons on both sides of the ball. Like, Sarge, of course, this is probably the most anticipated game in franchise history. Every time I think about this December 4th game, I just think about the atmosphere. And what we are about, what we are going to witness on that day, like I just hope it's competitive. I think everybody, everybody understands that yeah, the Texans will lose this game. And by the way, that was unfair what the NFL did to the Texans. You give them the, you give them the Browns, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs in back to back back games. Oh man, man. to that part, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's exactly what I was gonna say. After after they play the Browns, which I have as a loss, they play the Cowboys and they play the Chiefs. So come at, look that what, what like you said, what the NFL did was give the Texans fans a false sense of hope of ooh three game winning streak, <laughs> three game losing streak <laughs> right afterwards, right afterwards because you're going to get uh, two of the weakest team, uh, two of the weakest teams in the NFC East, and look. Full disclosure, everybody knows I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but mm-hmm. they play in a terrible division. Mm-hmm. They play in a terrible division. That's why last year when they was like, oh, man, the Cowboys won the NFC East. I was like, yeah, I think U of H could have won that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest. So after, you know, they're going to beat the Giants in Week 10, beat the Commanders in Week 11, beat the Dolphins, and then after that, they're going to get – I I predicted Sean Watson to have 300 yards and three touchdowns. I'm just putting that out there right now. So when we come back to this, hey, timestamp that, okay? Timestamp that. Put it on. <laughs> and it won't go on freezing cold takes. But then they have to play the Cowboys. Just like we said, they play the Cowboys and they play the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. in that second phase, I have them going three and four. Mm-hmm. Now, in that last phase, they play the Titans, the Jags, and the Colts. So they play the AFC South um, they, they play their AFC South counterparts, and all of those are division games. And I have them losing to the Titans, beating the Jaguars, and I have them beating the Colts at the end of the season. I feel like by the end of the season that the Colts will be struggling to try to get into the playoffs, but I feel like the Texans will have come into their own, at least in that last game, and they'll win. And so I have the final record. For the Houston Texans in their 2022, in 2022, excuse me, six and eleven. I have them winning. So Vegas has them at what four and a half wins? No, yeah. I'm, I'm taking the I'm taking the over. I think that the Texans could could win six games. And if you don't watch out, one of these games they may. I put it like this: 
I like what the Eagles have. The Eagles could slip up. They, you know, they could slip up and they could beat the Eagles. I mean, we know that the Broncos are good, but they can slip up and beat the Broncos. Who knows mm-hmm. what David Carr is going to be in week seven when they play the Raiders. So I have them at six. It could potentially be seven. Mm, I, I like that, um, Sarge. And, um, and, and, you know, honestly, I would either – I would put – and, yes, I understand the Eagles are the, – the Eagles have a more talented roster. But I think and – I, and I said this when me and John broke down this game. I said that week nine game against the Eagles, that is going to be like the the I'm trying to keep my starting quarterback job bold because about by week nine – Fans, media, the franchise, they're going to start to get the sense on whether or not Davis Mills here in, in the city of Houston or Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia is the quarterback for the future. <laughs> and, and I really do think that you're looking like that, but there are some people, which I don't think it should be an issue, but there are some people who still question whether or not if Hurts is still their franchise quarterback. But I say all that to say, I do think it's possible that the Texans can get a game off the Eagles, depending on how their season goes. And like I just mentioned, those first two games against the Colts and the Tennessee Titans, I think one of those games could be winnable as well. But overall, Sarge, I think the Texans have a really good schedule. I think it's a schedule where it's going to really help a lot of these guys that we're hoping, you know, that their development continue. I think this is the type of schedule that, it's going to help in that direction because you're going to have games where they're going to come out, look damn good, and you're going to say to yourself, well, that's the wide receiver for the future. That's the, that's the cornerback for the future. That's this person of the future. These are the foundational pieces. And then there are some games like the three-week stretch we just finished talking about. Yes, that's a hard three-week three week stretch. Yes, they might get mollywop in each and every one of those games, but in order for you to get better, you have to play against some of the best. And literally in that three-week stretch, you're playing against what? three of the top seven, top eight quarterbacks in the league. Um, uh, you know, and, you know, depending Wait, on. Hold on, time out. I, look, I can't let you go on. Just one second. Oh, gosh. Give me one second. I first thought we was going to avoid this. Is that Wait, first of all, is that hat too tight on your head? Because you think <laughs> that by the time the Eagles come in here, by, by the time the Eagles come to play the, uh, the Houston Texans, because they do play them at NRG this season. Mm-hmm. One, Jalen Hurts is coming home. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And he's coming home with two guys on both sides of him that could potentially have 150 yards receiving on each side. You got Devontae Smith, who is who was a Heisman Trophy winner, coming into the second season. And then they went out and they got A.J. Brown, and then they had one hell of a draft. Like, they went out. I think that... What they're doing is building around Jalen Hurts, not mm-hmm. evaluating him. I think they're building around him. So I, no, I don't. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is, will be fighting for his job by week nine. That's the first <laughs> thing. Second thing is this: you know, you talked about the three week stretch with week thirteen through fifteen with the Browns, Cowboys, and the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. And you said that's going to be a time where even if they lose. <laughs> You know, you're going to see where you are. Cody, I don't need to get knocked out by Mike Tyson. <laughs> I don't need to get knocked out by Mike Tyson to say, you know what, that knockout really helped me, man. I should become a better boxer. No, because if I when I come back to fight him again, he going to knock me out again, Cody. 
They they're not they're not this isn't gonna say this is not gonna tell them anything except that well it, it does it does it, it does you know it, you know what's funny how many times and you sit there right you sit right next to me most times inside Toyota Center how many times do you hear Steven Silas and and, and Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and all those guys with the Rockets when they go up against the LeBrons, when they go up against the Giannis, when they go up against the Jokic, when they go up against the top talents in the NBA, what is something Stephen um, Stephen Silas always point out? This is a great game to measure where you need to be in order to get to where you want to be. He always say something like that, and you, you know I'm not lying. Or do you think he lying? <laughs> hey, listen. And by the way, by the way. I don't want to turn this to locked on Rockets, but the first half they used to get mollywop. But by the second half of the season, when they was playing against better talent, they was more competitive. Let me say this, all right? Can you, you can hear me, right? Like, mm-hmm. Can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Yep. One, one, you will not get my credential taken away from me. <laughs> By the Houston Rockets. Listen, I will not. I will not allow you to walk me into that like the like Rockets Twitter thought that they were going to do. I'm oh not going to lose my credentials. Two, yes, Cody, that was coach speak. Yes, <laughs> Coach Tyler says, oh, man, we learned a lot. Really? You learned a lot from getting – like, what did you learn from getting blown out? What did you learn from being down 30 points to the uh, Memphis Grizzlies? Oh wow! Oh, you finally got a chance to run that set that you've always look. They executed the set. Yeah, you're down by thirty points though. Right, so I get what you're saying. I got it. But and I love Coach Silas' hand over heart. I love the Rockets' hand over heart. You're not gonna get my credential snatch. But <laughs> Cody, this is a whole different animal. What are they gonna learn? What are they gonna learn in in blowout wins? If I listen, if I'm Lovey Smith, by the time they're getting blown out, I'm like, hey. You know what? Let's evaluate some more guys. So if you're saying from an evaluation standpoint of seeing who else we got besides the starters, then maybe just yes, going into, well, look, we took this, we we took this knock. We see if somebody gets hurt or somebody's ineffective. When it's time to play those last three games against our AFC South foes, then yes. But other than that, Cody, this Brown Cowboys and Chiefs, that's not gonna prove anything except that, I mean, the, the Texans showed up. Like they showed the proof by point that three week stretch every they start preparing for the following week they started preparing for that week on a Wednesday every Wednesday morning I'm going to ask Lovey Smith Brandon Cooks and maybe like one other veteran because I'm pretty sure that's you know Smith not not Smith yeah Smith and Cooks you know they talk every Wednesday it's always your quote unquote franchise players who talk on Wednesday every Wednesday for three weeks in a row I'm going to ask. What can you guys learn from being a young team playing up against a, a like a championship contending team? I'm a, I'm gonna try to get my point proven like that. I'm gonna act for three weeks in a row. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna turn to you and whisper in your ear after you say that. That was a wasted question. <laughs> Tony, listen, let me tell you a real quick story, and I'm about to tell my age right quick. Right? Let me tell you a, a, a quick story. So you know. Before you was born, there used to be a store. No, well, you was probably just a little young pup, knee high to a duck butt. Well, there used to be a store called Kmart, right? Mm-hmm. There used to be a store called Kmart. And every week, 
we would go to Kmart. My mom would go because they had this thing called the blue light special. And once the blue light comes on, that's when you get like the clearance stuff, the cheap stuff. So, you know, it's almost like playing, uh, uh, not ring around the rosy, but the musical chairs, right? <laughs> you wait for the music to stop getting chairs. So you're waiting to look to see where the blue light comes on, right? So we would go to Kmart every week. You know what me and my brothers got? Me and my, my middle brother, God rest his soul. You know what we got every week, Cody? No. You know why we got a whooping? Because we didn't learn from last week from running through the poles <laughs> or going in around us or being bad. We didn't learn last week after we got the whooping from coming from Kmart. We didn't, we didn't we didn't learn nothing. We go right back into Kmart. She but hey, look, I'm already prepared. We're already prepared to take this whooping. We ain't gonna learn nothing. So as I digress, <laughs> you ask that question so I can laugh at you and say, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and with that being said, that hey, Cook's gonna say that by the Chiefs game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he ain't gonna say it. he just gonna put a rap lyrics. He's just gonna say <laughs> <laughs> And with that being said, that concludes another installment of Locked On Texans. Sarge, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? You can follow me at Big Sarge Sports with a Z at the end on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can also follow me at uh, BigSargeSports.com. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And as for my co-host, John Hickman, please remember to follow him on Twitter at John Hickman underscore 12. Until next. Well, no. One more thing before you go. One more thing. uh, Listen, I I need the listeners to do one thing for me. Mm Mm-hmm. I want you all to protest like they're doing right now at the NRA convention at George R. Brown. I need you to protest Cody Davis and John Hickman and tell them Sarge should have a weekly spot <laughs> for my own Texans. That's all I got. Well, there you go. There you go. Let's see if these people are going to protest for you. I, I don't see why not. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> peace. <laughs>